Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And tonight we have with us again our co-host, Earl Erskine. And thank you for coming and being here each week when, this, when this we need one. to. It, <laughs> it certainly is, part two of last week. Yeah. And um, I just thought I'd ask you, maybe you can tell, especially new viewers, uh, how is your Friday night show doing? Doing tell very well. We it. get some very good response from it, and uh, it's on at 8 o'clock here on TV20, and uh, goes from 8 to 8.30, and we've had some wonderful guests and have many more coming up, and uh, we've had good response from it. And you're just uh, interviewing people who have come out of the, the Mormonism yeah, Come uh, out of Mormonism and uh, have found a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. and something's happened in their life that's caused them to study or look yeah. or think a little bit, yeah. and they've come to a, a, a saving relationship with Jesus. And so it's going well? And, yeah, and going you're very well. We're excited wonderful. for it. Good. Yeah, Thank you for asking. <laughs> we're excited about it, too. Well, we're here every Thursday night um, to discuss the history of Mormon polygamy and the contemporary polygamy practices as well. You know, Joseph Smith did teach that polygamy was required to get into heaven, but of course God never said that celestial marriage was part of eternal life. Jesus alone is the Savior. He saves us all by himself. Celestial marriage has nothing to do with it, and of course God's way is always the best way. Now last week we began a series of discussions about the char characteristics of counterfeit religious organizations. And a counterfeit religious organization is an exclusive group of people who claim to be true Christianity and then they turn around and they deny Christian teachings and teach a totally different gospel and a totally different Jesus. We managed to get through the first three characteristics last week and we hope to get through a few more tonight. So first we are going to quickly review what we discussed last week to refresh your memory and then we'll get started with tonight's. Yeah, we've got the first one is uh, an exalted, this is a characteristic of one of these groups, it has an exalted imperialistic type of a leader or a prophet and this leader is the only one who has the correct or continuing revelation and who's authorized to mediate for God to the people. Their motives, their teachings, their decisions are not to be questioned, and members are forbidden to doubt the organization, but the Bible is always doubted. Yep. But in true Christianity, leaders can be questioned, but not the Bible, because the Bible is God speaking, and He is our leader. And the second one we discussed last week is they use the Bible plus new revelations, new and changing doctrines, their own uh, religious writings that they call scripture. Now these revelations and changing doctrines are, are not supported by the Bible, even though it's often twisted to make it seem though as though they were. These new revelations may be worded in Shakespearean English, which often deceives people who think that King James language is the language of God, and the leader claims to be God's spokesman on earth 
her, so his interpretation cannot be questioned. And the third one we discussed last week. Yeah, mind control and time control in varying degrees. A counterfeit group employs mind control. They use deceptive doctrine and practices, promises in their recruiting techniques, and they trick people into joining and then guilt and shame into keeping them to stay or that, threaten them if they don't, uh, if they threaten to well, think that, about that, leaving. That certainly was true in my experience where they, they guilt yeah. you, they guilt you into shame and threaten you to shame uh, and shame you if you do even think that maybe you need to get out. All counterfeit religion groups must utilize mind control to some degree and deception or they could never hold on to their membership. Uh, they manipulate people's minds which in turn of course will control their behaviors. So let's start with tonight with number four on our list of things to watch out for the characteristic of counterfeit religious groups and number four is a works salvation mentality grace is marginalized or completely discarded every counterfeit religious group will teach uh, works some kind of a works related salvation they, yeah, they, they have, have to tie to. them into the into performing for the group, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, exactly. They all teach a salvation based on the members' faith in their particular group or in their religion or in their leadership only. And after that, then they add works to what Jesus has already done. They strive for personal worthiness. They never embrace grace alone through faith alone as it is taught in the Bible. Now, some of these groups claim that they teach salvation by faith without works, but then they insist that eternal life is limited only to those who are part of their organization. And then they'll place requirements on them to conform to their particular doctrines, their rules, their rituals, and their regulations. And this particularly describes polygamy groups. And beginning with Joseph Smith, polygamy became part of the required works for salvation according to early Mormonism. But what did Jesus say about the works God requires? This shocked me when I started searching and learning. It says in John 6, Then they asked him, Jesus, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. There it is. Now, if celestial marriage, now celestial marriage is polygamy. Yeah. According to Joseph Smith, it was. If celestial marriage was required, wouldn't Jesus have said so here? If it was that important, I think he would have mentioned that or a bunch of other things, too. A bunch of yeah. other things that are supposed to be required, but he didn't. He just wants faith, belief, and trust in Jesus alone. And, and so who's the liar, Jesus Christ or Joseph Smith? Interesting that Joseph Smith's version of the Bible did not change those verses in John 6, 28 and 29. So to the Mormon mind, they must stand the way you read them. Yeah. And you've got one in John 17. I do. For you granted him, Jesus again, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now notice there that it says that Jesus gives eternal life. Yeah. It's a gift. Jesus gives eternal life. He doesn't reward eternal life to polygamists only or to members of any particular church, even if they do claim that they are the only true church. Jesus bought the gift. Jesus paid for the gift, and he doesn't require double payment. He didn't pay for it and then expect you to pay for it too by your works. Eternal life is a gift of Jesus Christ and all counterfeit groups and their leadership need to beware because God has cursed 
the person who teaches a different gospel. And Paul warns about this in Galatians 1, 6 through 10. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally damned, condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you, have, what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, these are hard words. And he repeats it, too. Yeah, he does. He does (laughs) does. repeat it. And that's important when it's repeated. Yeah. But they're hard words, but they prove how protective of the truth that God is. Very protective of his truth and of his gospel. Notice in verse 6, it says that when you turn from the true gospel, the gospel that Paul preached, he said here in the New Testament, as it is originally taught in the New Testament, and you turn from it, it's equal to deserting God. That's what it says. And then it says that any other gospel really isn't a gospel at all. Now, the word gospel means good news. And I learned as I thought about the gospel I was taught growing up, there was no good news about that at all. All the works and strivings that you had to do to try and please God, and then you still weren't sure you pleased Him. That's not good news. That's not good news. And anybody that believes in the Book of Mormon and that whole story about an angel coming to Joseph Smith, this mm-hmm. this uh, verse ought to they ought to pay particular attention. To they that. do, or an angel from heaven if yeah. they come, because Satan can appear as an angel of light. Second Corinthians tells us that, and and you know by the way the polygamy groups all have their little experience in the grove like Joseph Smith did, and who's to say who's telling the truth? That's right. I mean, if Joseph they all Smith claim to be the true church, that's exactly right. So yeah. there there's got to be a standard. Okay, number five uh, on on our list is um, uh, characteristics of a counterfeit religious group is that the group will claim exclusivity. They will claim that they alone are God's chosen people. That they alone are God's true church. They claim that they alone have the correct interpretation of Scripture. They alone have a higher understanding than the rest of us. No other religion teaches this higher truth. No other religion is all true. They alone are God's kingdom. They have secret knowledge from God, and they alone know the secrets of how to get to heaven. Now, this is pretty standard in most of the false religious groups. You have to be there and part of them in order to know all this secret stuff that God has for them. No one group, no one single religion has the secret of going to heaven. God's will is not secret. He has no secret knowledge, no secret rules and rites and rituals. In God's way of doing things, nothing is so sacred that it should be hidden or that it cannot be discussed publicly. Secrecy is not God's way. Mark 14. 22, I think you got that. hit people hard. Mark 4:22. For there is nothing hid, which shall not be made, shall not be manifested. Neither was there anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Now this is something where Jesus is talking. Yeah. Now, if it, the, the, these counterfeit religions who who like to say, well, we follow Jesus, but they're not following 
owe so many things that he teaches. And even so at many. his trial, Jesus testified that he never said or taught anything in secret, John 18, 20. Now, Jesus answered him, said, I speak openly to the world I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Jesus himself <laughs> himself said that he taught everything openly. Nothing was secret. Nothing was too sacred to talk about. Our culture would do very well to follow Jesus' example. And then we have one in Ephesians, Ephesians 5. five. Yeah. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Oh. If it's a shame. <laughs> yeah. If, if it's a shame. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> to speak in those. And if it's a shame to talk about secret things, it's even more shameful to be doing them. Yeah. 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 No, if that's it, not part of the scripture. If, but that, yeah. that, but no, that's <laughs> fine. But that's the same thing. If it's a shame to be talking about them, it certainly is a shame to be doing them. Yeah. And that, that, again, should be something this culture needs to think about. Most counterfeit religions are rife with false prophecies about the second coming of Jesus. They teach that the world will soon be destroyed by an angry God and that they, being the exclusive group, will be the only one that survives and God will elevate their group to populate and govern the so-called cleansed earth. Most counterfeit religions have a history of false prophecies about Jesus' return. Joseph Smith gave his share of false prophecies about the second coming of Jesus. And we have, I think, three prophecies we're going to share with you tonight uh, that are quotes. We got them from utlm.org that has a ton of, of information that if you're interested in checking some of these things out uh, on this topic and others, and you can discover for yourself. But let's read the first one that yeah. Joseph Smith prophesied Jesus is coming. Yeah, this is out of the History of the Church, Volume 2, page 182. And in 1835, Joseph Smith prophesied that the coming of the Lord was near and that 56 years would wind up the scene. And this is what he said. President Smith then stated, it was the will of God that those who went to Zion with a determination to lay down their lives if necessary should be ordained to the ministry and go forth to prune the vineyard for the last time or the coming of the Lord, which was nigh, even 56 years, should wind up the scene. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so now, he placed a time frame yeah. in this prophecy, and that provides absolute proof that the prophecy failed. Every yeah. time they put a time on it here. Now, that wasn't the last time that the Mormons were ordained to the ministry. And yet this prophecy says it would be the last time. And then he said 56 years would, should wind up the scene. Well, that would have made Jesus return in 1891 to make Jesus, Joseph's prophecy true. Well, he didn't come back. And so, obviously, it's a failed prophecy. And then in History of the Church, Volume 5, page 336, Joseph Smith said, and I quote, There are those of the rising generation who shall not taste death till Christ comes. Well, that rising generation rose, and many more generations since then have arisen and come and gone, and Jesus didn't return. No. So we have another failed prophecy on Jesus' second coming uh, from Joseph Smith. Now the next prophecy, the last six words of his next prophecy were conveniently deleted in the history of the church. 
And so the quote comes from Joseph Smith's diary, and where the, the, the words are left in, and this is his diary dated March 10th, 1843 through July 14th, 1843. And just so that the uh, viewers know this, there's a number of changes that the history of the church, the church has made to the history of the church oh, that yes. makes Joseph Smith look better and, and kind of covers over things. It's, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. But anyway, from this it says, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God and let it be written that the Son of Man will not come in the heavens till I am 85 years old, 48 years hence, or about 1890. Now, Time is the enemy of every false prophet. Yeah, it would be in this case. <laughs> and how old was Joseph Smith when he died? Well, he was born in 1805 and died in 44, 39. 39 years yeah. old. Now, wouldn't 39. God have known that he wasn't going to live to be 85 years old? Uh, wouldn't yeah. God have known that? Well, it says something about here in the name of the Lord God. Yeah, <laughs> in the name of the Lord. He prophesied this yeah. in the name of the Lord. You'd think he would know. You would think God would know. He knows yeah. everything. Wouldn't he have known yeah. that? And so this proves that the prophecy was a false prophecy from a false god of Joseph Smith. When a prophecy doesn't take place in the designated time that it was prophesied, the person is a fake. And God says, God says he is to be ignored and rejected. So why are people still following Joseph Smith? Why? They haven't, they don't, they're not even aware of these maybe. And then, know. and those who are aware of him reject. Yeah. They reject the fact that uh, Joseph Smith could have been a fraud, which indeed he was. Anyway, some counterfeit religious groups claim to be God's only special people who will survive Armageddon. And so they are forbidden, or at least they're discouraged outside friendships unless it's to recruit new members. And if the group that you belong to teaches these kinds of things and has a history of unfulfilled um, end time prophecies, you are in a counterfeit religious group, which is a bad copy of original Christianity. I know when we was growing up in the polygamy groups, and, and Warren Jeffs in his polygamy, they have prophesied over and over and over again of, of Jesus' coming, and he never came back. Yeah. And, and you wonder why people continue to believe them when their, when their predictions don't happen. I know that there are many people that have had patriarchal blessings. Do you get patriarchal blessings in the polygamy groups? Mm -hmm. I know that many people have said that they would be marching back to Missouri or that they would be here when the second coming comes. And those mm -hmm. patriarchal blessings, of course, are not... Uh, and that didn't ha happen. No. That no. didn't happen. No. Okay. You know, anyone who really wants the truth and not the candy-coated version of counterfeit religions there's something the Bible tells you can do to get the truth. This is in Jeremiah 29. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So there's a promise. God promises the person who seeks the truth with all of his heart, yeah. that he'll find it. Now, it has to be something that you really honestly want from your heart. Yeah. If you want the truth, God will show it to you. Jeremiah 24, he has another. Just before this uh, one we just read, it says in verse 7, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. See how the heart is engaged yeah. in all of this. It has to be from a true heart that seeks the truth. You, someone who wants the truth, no matter what it is, 
If you're willing to say to God, I want the truth, no matter what it is, I want the truth, you will get it. But you will then have the obligation of embracing the truth and rejecting and renouncing all other religious dogma and practices and people and leadership and everything else and embrace the truth of God that he shows you. And a good test for a counterfeit religion is to find out how much of their focus is on God, how much of their focus is on Jesus Christ, how much of their focus is on the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. If the focus of your religious group is on polygamy or works or on the church itself, on good deeds and worthiness and rituals and dead works and marriage and so on, you're in a false religion. And I, I have the Bible to back me up on that. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, it says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's Paul, the apostle. Yeah. He wanted to teach them nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified as he first began to minister to the Corinthians. Because the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 says, First importance is God's gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel that saves. And that's all that counts. Our prayer and the purpose for our show is that our viewers will seek God with all their hearts, truthfully from their heart, and not settle for a second-rate religion when they can have a dynamic, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. God himself. Okay, let's go to number six. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, counterfeit religions have a different Jesus and a different God, don't they? <laughs> they do. All counterfeit religions have a different Jesus, a different God, and a different gospel. Now, let's not forget that the word gospel means good news. Yeah. From, from the ancient word that was used to translate the word gospel, it means good news. Now, like counterfeit money, which when the, when the counterfeit money is manufactured, it must be manufactured so cleverly and be designed so good so that when you look close enough to the original bill, um, or it's, it's made close enough to the original bill, so when they try to pass it, it looks like the genuine thing. That's what a, counter, a counterfeit gospel must seem like, the genuine biblical gospel to successfully be passed off as the real thing. A counterfeit religion redefines the biblical gospel. They'll add to it or they'll take away from it while at the same time maintaining an outward Christian facade. They redefine Christian terminology so that even though they're using the same words, their meanings are are as far apart as heaven is from hell. And the most important question to ask about any particular religious group is, Who is Jesus Christ? Now they may say, well, he's the Savior, or he's the Son of God. But they will never say he is God the Son, or that he is God Almighty, or the one and only true God who has existed as the only true God from eternity past. They'll never say no. that about Jesus. Or, or acknowledge that him and him alone, faith in him alone. Right, faith in him alone. His sacrifice, his shed blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and, and that's, Always, that's part of the works, I guess, that they have to add to that. They have to add to that, yeah. the works, yeah. exactly right. And now false religions will deny both the eternal Godhead of Jesus and the necessity, which you just said, of salvation through his shed blood only. Yeah. Because that's the only way for salvation. In fact, some groups have redefined what the word salvation itself means. Well, that's what I found so interesting when I was first coming out trying to deal with these different words. Mm -hmm. We use the same words all the time, but the definitions and what they really mean biblically are so totally different. Right. So, they yeah. are right. So well, let's talk about what does the word salvation mean. We talk about it a lot on the show. Yeah. And, and as we talk to other people, as we read the Bible, what does salvation really mean? because it's in the discussions. Yeah. So salvation in the biblical sense is the guarantee of eternal life brought by and bought by Jesus Christ and of our faith and trust in Him exclusively. Salvation is not resurrection. See, and that's the way the at least the LDS, I don't know about polygamists, would they define well, I did not. I was not raised to believe that salvation was resurrection. No, I wasn't raised to believe that. I don't know what they were teaching When we ever talked about now. being saved, it was just being resurrected. Yeah, and know. see, that is not what the Bible teaches there at all. There was salvation and then exaltation. Yeah. And that was the one to get you to the celestial kingdom. Right, yeah. so everyone was going to get saved because everyone saved. would be resurrected. Yeah. But that's not what the Bible teaches. No, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Exactly, that's says. eternal so, life. Yeah. Resurrection is resurrection, it's not salvation. Salvation is being saved from God's hatred and wrath against sin and against sinners. Christ's resurrection did not bring universal salvation for all mankind. And the most profound question of the ages can be found in what Jesus asked Peter when he asked, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Every false group has a different answer to that question. And any answer other than that Jesus was God in human form, in human flesh, if you've got any other answer, you've got to counterfeit Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.16 is clear. It tells us that in Jesus, God was manifest in the flesh. And in Colossians 2.9, it tells us that in Jesus, the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. That makes him God. No matter how close to the biblical Jesus they attribute some of his actions, they still teach a counterfeit Jesus. And we have something that might be of interest to <laughs> our listeners. This quote from President Hinckley. Yes. Yeah, this is just uh, amazing. And, and especially in the fact that we know that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Uh, trusting that and that the Bible can be trusted. Listen mm -hmm. to this from President Hinckley. In bearing testimony of Jesus Christ, President Hinckley spoke of those outside the church who say Latter-day Saints do not believe in the traditional Christ. No, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. For the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. He, together with his father, appeared to the boy Joseph Smith in the year 1820. And when Joseph left the grove that day, he knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. And everything that they say he learned about God contradicts what the Bible teaches about God. 
It also contradicts what Joseph Smith actually said about what? God in the Book of Mormon That's and right. lectures of faith and everything that else. That is so true. Uh, so the question is not, does this culture believe in a different Jesus? Gordon Hinckley already admitted that they do. They need to realize that not only the biblical, that, that only that the biblical Jesus is the Savior, and a different Jesus cannot save anybody. A mythical Lucifer's brother cannot be the Savior, and he cannot save anyone. And maybe that's why they depend so heavily on works. Maybe they just kind of inherently know Lucifer's brother can't save without some kind of help from themselves. Well, Jesus is kind of a, our helper. He's uh, kind of a second thought. He's not the key element in our salvation or our exaltation because we have to do all these works. And like the Book of Mormon teaches that uh, we are saved by grace after all we can do. Yeah. So it, Jesus mm -hmm. takes kind of a second seat there. I, this has been such a joyful part of my coming out and part of my journey is to recognize Jesus yeah. as God yeah. and that he is uh, what he did for me that I couldn't do for myself exactly. and turn my life over to him completely yeah. rather than working to gain his gain some reward and you know in the doctrine and covenants it teaches that we bound God or bind God when we do what we yeah what he says and and nobody binds God no and you, you can't God cannot be put in debt uh -uh. I mean we can't put him in our debt. No, <laughs> no, you can't. And I think this culture has a real difficulty in, in really understanding who God is. And we'll get into the yeah. deeper in that as we get through some more of these characteristics. Um, the Jesus uh, that, that, that this culture believes in, the Jesus I was raised to believe in in the polygamy group is a created person who was created but the biblical Jesus wasn't created That's he's the creator point. and and the 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 Jesus I learned about became a god and he of course is the brother to to all of us and also the brother to the devil and all the demons well that's an occultic Jesus that's not the biblical Jesus uh, another religion teaches that Jesus is Michael the archangel but the Bible says that God never called any angel to sit at his right hand like he called Jesus to do. Any group, and there's another group that calls Jesus, uh, well, he wasn't really God. He just was a mere man who had a Christ consciousness. <laughs> well, you know, all of these are counterfeit Jesuses. Now, John 1, 1 and 2, uh, and, and then verse 14 clearly describes the biblical Jesus. Yeah, this is just so good. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And in verse 14 it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So there you go. And the Word was, was God, yeah. the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. And Matthew says, uh, call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So Jesus is God's Word in the flesh. And all false religions make profound changes to who Jesus is. Many counterfeit religions teach that all people are divine and, and that in time we will all become Christ consciousness or little gods. Uh, the biblical Jesus is and has always been God Almighty from everlasting past to everlasting future and he never changes. This scripture that uh, we're going to read here, several people in, that I've interviewed for my show uh, uh, has referred to this scripture as one that really changed their mind about, uh, about the Mormon religion and uh, where they were at with God. 
It says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Sorry, I'm reading the King James in my mind. I have it. <laughs> and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And you know, it really changed my thoughts too. When I yeah. first read this on a Christmas card, when I yeah. right after I, yeah, and, and I looked at that verse on the Christmas card and I knew what it meant. Before that, I never knew what it meant. And of course, it is the, the prophecy uh, yeah. that Isaiah gave 800 and some years before Jesus was born, a prophecy of the coming Messiah. The son to be born here is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the passage tells us, it tells us that this baby to be born in the manger is Almighty God, the Everlasting Father. Yeah, and one of the anchors that I had, and I, I realize how fallacious this is, but one of the anchors I had coming out of the church was that the 1830 Book of Mormon, as I think I've mentioned on your program before, actually said that Jesus is the Everlasting mm -hmm. Father in mm -hmm. three or four different places, and the, it's been changed. Mm -hmm. been so it changed. now says that he's the son of the Everlasting Father. So mm -hmm. again, when I'm saying it's my anchor, it was just kind of the thought that I think Joseph Smith believed in this one God when he first started when out. When he first started out. When I, he first started mm -hmm. out. And that's what all of his writings was the same, was the, uh, supported he, the same thing. He had thing. the gospel kind of mixed up, but yeah. he got, it yeah, seems for like sure. he had the God, but the he, God concept. But that was, he, he believed that, uh, that there was, and Jesus said, was the everlasting and Father. And he said many times that there's only one God, and then later he started to preach that there were many gods. Yeah. So, so he, was he didn't even know. Yeah, he was inconsistent, yeah. totally. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, God frequently warns us, of course, to watch out for these false gods and these false Christs. In 2 Corinthians 11, 4, it warns us about anyone who would come to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit or a different gospel. The biblical gospel doesn't, nor has it ever included celestial marriage, which is Joseph Smith's polygamy as a condition for eternal life or any other requirement at all, not the biblical gospel. And then we always have Matthew 24 that we stand on. Yeah, I've actually done about three pages of where it talks about lying, deceiving, false prophets, false Christ, references in the New Testament. And this is one from Matthew 24, 24. It says, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. So they can come with power. Yeah. False they, signs, well, false they're not, miracles. They're not going to come except very subtly. Mm -hmm. They're going to they're not <clears throat> going to come and slap you in the face. They're going to put their arm around you and mm -hmm. move you right along into a different direction. Exactly right. Yeah. Obviously, there are counterfeit Christs if we have been warned about them, and they are counterfeit Christs that people preach, and there's a counterfeit gospel that people teach. Yet every counterfeit religion claims that these warnings apply to everyone but themselves. There has to be a standard by which people can test to discover who's telling the truth. And God has not left us without that standard, and it is the Bible. And that is why it is so heavily attacked. Satan doesn't want you in the Bible. And people don't bother to check the Bible to see if their Jesus measures up to God's personal testimony of who Jesus is. And none of them do measure up to the real Jesus. 
Okay, we have another one, number seven, but uh, looks like that we need to take our break yeah, okay. here and open up the telephone lines. Our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 973-8820. We'd love to hear from you if you want to call in and make comments or ask questions or just enter the discussion. Uh, we're certainly welcome to do so, and as we're waiting for the calls to come in, we will share our message with you. Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, the Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and with Earl Erskine, our co-host, we have been discussing some more characteristics of counterfeit religious groups, things to watch out for, red flags, uh, to know that if they teach certain things that you can go into the Bible and check and discover whether or not it is true or not. A counterfeit, uh, when, they, when they make counterfeit money, they will make it so close to the original that they can pass it off as counterfeit money. They're not going to make uh, $20 bills out of turquoise paper uh, and, and think that they can get by with it. They're going to make it out of the paper that the original is made out of. And that's what happens with counterfeit religions. They yeah. make it look so close yeah. to biblical Christianity, but they've tweaked it and distorted it enough uh, to take them away from the truth rather than teach them the truth. And again, uh, we talked about some of the resources that I used last week. I talked about The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin and also a book called Combating Cult Mind Control by Steve and Stephen Hassan. These are great resources. Also, there's some websites you can go to. Uh, 
You can go to utlm.org or mrm.org and get information about what to look out for. And um, you can go to our website, whatloveisthis.tv, and click show notes for um, the resources that we are using in these particular shows. And also, on the, regarding the Kingdom of the Cults book, it's got several different religious groups in here. You might want to check it out and see if yours is in here. And if it is, you need to find out why it's there. Um, now, we have many more that we're going to have to save yeah. for next week and do part three next week. But the, we had uh, some, some letters and emails that came in that we wanted to share with our viewers tonight and also give time for our viewers to call in. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. at 801-973-TV20. And so, um, first of all, while we're waiting for the calls to come in, it looks like there's a couple of calls that aren't quite ready yet. So we yeah. do have time, I think, to read uh, this, this okay. Uh, email. Okay. The first one is, uh, I guess it'll be on the screen. I have learned much from watching What Love Is This and Ex-Mormon Files. I'm not Mormon. My thoughts... The LDS Church claims to be the only true church. Seems to me that the Jews for Jesus are the only people that can make that claim. I quit ignoring Christ about 11 years ago. Knowing who He is is the best thing that ever has ever happened to me. Praise God for the courage He has given all of you to be able to stand up for the truth in this state. With much love and admiration, B. P.S. It is so irksome when LDS people say, I love my church. <laughs> You know, it's funny because even even when you say it, we're not leaving. We don't leave Jesus when we talk. When, as an LDS person, I was leaving the church. You know, yeah. it's just funny. It, yeah. it's, uh, it was always the church. It's always the church in the temple. The very last thing that you do in the temple is is give everything over to the church. The church. Yeah, to exactly. the building up of the kingdom of God, it says, but to uh -huh. the church, basically. And they've, they've taken the place yeah. of, of Jesus in yeah. this. You know, and, and and it's interesting that they mentioned that that the the Jews, if, if there was an only true church, it, this writer thinks it would be the Jews rather than the Mormons, as they claim. And, of course, the polygamists claim they're the only true ones, too. And it's by the Mormon church who are the apostates, by the way, not the polygamists. But early Mormonism claimed, if you read much of their history, you will read over and over again where they claim to be true Israel. Yeah. And, and now they're claiming to be Christians. But you know, you can't be both. Now, I don't think the Mormon church knows this biblically, but you can't be true Israel and be part of the Christian church too. Now, a Jew can become a Christian. I'm not yeah. saying that, but yeah. they are two separate groups of people. Well, you know, again, patriarchal blessings. I was from the tribe of Ephraim. I mean, that's, and I don't, I'm sure that was a spiritual thing, but that's one of the things patriarchal blessings do uh -huh. is to designate your uh, tribe. Yeah. And it was another funny little thing just off the cuff here, but uh, Joseph, uh, when John the Baptist, who is a Levite uh, from the tribe of Levi, comes and gives the Levitical priesthood to Joseph Smith, who is not a Levite. Yeah. You know, a, a Levite uh, person from the tribe of Aaron and Levi yeah. would never give the priesthood to a non-Levite. It, it just it absolutely just, could not have yeah, happened at silly, all. Silly. It is. And, and again, he didn't know his Bible, his Bible or he yeah. never would have said anything he never like would have that. Said that yeah. And that's, that's some of the things that, that really show him to be what he was. But for, going back to loving your church, you know, somebody, we talked about this last week, somebody came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and yeah. strength. It isn't love your church. 
It's love your God. The greatest commandment. And yet I have never heard anybody in a polygamy group or in Mormonism under their influence say they love God or they love Jesus but or they love the Bible or they love God's Word, but they always say they love their church. Yeah. And that, that is very not what Jesus taught at all. So we have some phone calls um, that we need to take now. We have on line one Caleb calling from American Fork. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Hey, what's up? What's your question, Caleb? Um, my question was, what is your testimony of Jesus Christ? My testimony of Jesus Christ? I think we already talked about that. He's God the Son. No, I want to know your testimony. That's my testimony. God, Jesus saved me. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And one day, a long time ago, he met me and he showed me through his word that he is my savior if I would receive him into my heart and life. And that if I would do that, uh, he would wash away my sins and he would save my soul and I could know that I would go to heaven. John, 1 John 5.13 Second uh, or Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. All of these tell about what Jesus did for us and what, what, what our response must be. And I responded to Jesus. He changed my life. He changed everything about me. And now I am going to heaven when I die. And that's not arrogance. That is claiming the promises of the Bible. Oh, I believe you. I... I believe that once you gain a testimony of Jesus Christ that it's never going to go away. And like, once you hear the truth, that's what it's going to feel like. But to me, repentance is an ongoing process. No, it is not. Caleb, repentance is a one-time shot. And and it's a one-time. Repentance, Mormon style, is not biblical. Repentance, Jesus style, is your sins are washed away when you repent no. and they never come back to you. No. Yes. Gospel, the, our gospel is about the biblical. We don't make anything up. Everything we get is from the Bible. And who are we? Who are you? Say we. Who are we? Um, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Everything you get is from the Bible. Is that true? No, I said everything about our gospel. We don't make positions up. We just we have twelve apostles, like Jesus did in his time. But he never told us to have twelve apostles, sir. He had them, but he didn't tell us to have them. The uh, the foundation has been laid, sir. The foundations have been laid by those apostles. And when you get in Revelation chapters 20, 21, or 21 and 22, where it, the scene is in heaven, and it has 12 apostles and t- the 12 patriarchs. It doesn't... The foundation is built upon 12 apostles, right? Right. 12 only. Only 12. Only 12. The original 12. Okay, I, yes, only 12. But do you believe that the 12 apostles, that they're smarter than everybody, and they're better than everybody, and they never made any mistakes. What's that got to do with anything? No, with the Bible's very clear that... The, 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 the Bible's very clear that we're all sinners. Yes, we're all, we all make mistakes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We're not perfect like Jesus right, Christ. Right, right, right. But, but, but... So what, if, what if an apostle made a mistake? One time, but what if he made One t- Are you talking about Joseph Smith? You know, Smith? going to be an apostle anymore because 
he can't repent. Uh, what's your point, sir? What is your point? Are you talking about Joseph Smith here? No, I'm talking about the apostles. But we're not talking you know, about apostles. The, foundation, the church is held up by 12 apostles, right? The gospel? The, in the in the what Bible, yes. Yes, in the Bible. Okay. Right. So why does, why would but, that not apply to people that try to practice Nobody, nobody says anybody has to be without sin. In fact, the Bible tells us we're all sinners. Well, I know that's what I said. Right. I'm saying, why shouldn't it apply that people have twelve apostles leading them? The t- why would it be different back then than it is now? The church is not the church's foundation has been laid, and no other foundation can be laid. First Corinthians chapter that's three. Okay, there's no more apostles because because the foundation has already been laid. There's nothing more to lay. Exactly, but once you've taken away an apostle, how is it? That's what the apostasy was when all the apostles fell away and were martyred because they believed in Christ. There's no apostasy, sir. There's no apostasy. Are you joking me? Do you not? What do you think of the Dark Ages? Caleb, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I also. There was never an apostasy. There were, there were people that fell away. There were people that died. But a complete apostasy, there was never a need for a restoration. That's right. Never need. Yes, there was. But no. you know what? Okay, Caleb, let me ask you. Caleb, let me ask you a question. Do you believe what Jesus said in the Bible? Do, do, do you believe what he said? Everything that he said? Jesus said, Jesus, do you believe what Jesus said in the Bible? Do you? Yes or no? I believe that he was perfect. Do you believe what Jesus said in the Bible? Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, how could there be an apostasy? And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon the rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All right. I so, so how can how can there be an apostasy? Jesus lied. Jesus didn't tell the truth. He said there would that his his church would be forever. The gates of hell. Or Ephesians three twenty that the church would be through all generations. There was no apostasy. We have three other calls coming in, Caleb. Uh, if you want to discuss this further, you certainly welcome to email us or leave your telephone number, and either I or Earl can call you back and talk further about this. It's funny how I Thank you for calling. Okay, we have on line two, Ashley calling from Salt Lake City. Ashley? Yes. Yes, you're on the air, Ashley. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? My question is, um, the Bible has been, the LDS thinks that the Bible has been tampered with and they don't believe it to be true, but why... In your opinion, why do you think that they use it as one of their books? And also, I've heard that Joseph Smith translated the Bible, and I'm wondering why they wouldn't go off of that translation. Well, that's a good question, Earl. Do you want to tackle that at all? Yeah, well, the reason they don't use the Joseph Smith translation, I think, is because it's... uh, well, it's not true and it's not supportable, but I think they want to try and be as mainstream Christian as they can be, and uh, the, using the Christian Bible is, is more acceptable in their teachings. And what was your first question? Sorry. I, oh, I was, I was curious to um, Doris's opinion oh. on why the LDS um, 
Use well, the, they use they use the Bible as one of their resources. You, you know, I find that I find that interesting, Ashley, because they do claim that you can't trust the Bible uh, that it hasn't been translated correctly. So why are they using and telling other people, uh, especially converts, to use a Bible they don't trust? Why right. do they do that? Right. Either they trust it or they don't. If they don't trust it, toss it. If they do trust it, then trust all of it. You can't just pick and choose. Yeah, right. I do think it's to make themselves look more acceptable to the Christian world. And, uh, and they quote and from the, it a lot. And it was a tradition from from early on uh, mm -hmm. that they the Bible was their scripture and, and mm -hmm. they didn't have any other originally. Well, the Book and, of Mormon. And by the way, Joseph Smith did tamper with the Bible. He, he yes, accused he did. the Christians of tampering with the Bible, but it was him that tampered with it yeah. too. Right. Okay. Hey. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye. Bye. Okay, very quickly, line three, we have Anne calling from Salt Lake. We only have about a minute. Anne, can you answer your, ask your question quickly? Uh, yes, I'm, I know this sounds uh, terrible, Doris, but I have two neighbors that are atheists, and they're, uh, they're always arguing with me that for me to prove to work from where God came from and how did he make Earth and us, I mean, that sounds terrible, I guess. But they're always on me to, to prove to them that they're that how did God where did God come from and how did He make us? Well, do the atheists read their Bible? Uh, I don't know. I haven't asked them because you you talk to them and they get really you well, know and they said if I could prove that there was really a God then they would start believing. Well, in in know. in Psalm chapter nineteen it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. And there's the first four verses there in Psalm 19 explain how, how it is a witness that the creation is a witness to us of God's mighty power of his existence. And then you can go into Job, the last uh, couple of chapters, two or three chapters of Job, where God, uh, Job is questioning God and then God comes down and questions Job. And his questions are, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I made that? Where were you when I created this? this and that. And that's a question I would ask atheists. You know, if an atheist really wants to know uh, God, that all they have to do is what we mentioned earlier in the show, pray. God will show them the truth, but then yeah. they will have the obligation that's to okay. embrace that truth. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling, Ann. You almost think that an atheist has to walk away from their faith or their well, consciousness or their, the, their intuition. And the Bible says only a fool says there's no yeah, God. A I fool, mean, the uh, nature and everything declares uh, mm -hmm. that this is a divine design here. Of, uh, so it's, that's right. they have to walk away from that, I think. That's right. And, and for Caleb, I know I'm going to get emails and, and calls that, that just really castigate me because I didn't hang on the phone longer. But we had other phone calls coming in and he was going over the same thing over and over again. I'm sorry, Caleb, but if you will leave your number, either I or Earl will call you back and we can have a longer conversation about these things. Uh, that you talked about on the phone. Yeah, so, I'm happy to talk to him too. Okay, sure. so yeah. good, good enough. And he's a former Mormon, so he <laughs> will be able to answer. He's a former Mormon bishop. And I thank you for calling anyway. Well, uh, we've got more for the counterfeit uh, next week coming up, part three. Uh, tonight, on tonight's show, we opened with a quote from Mark Twain where he said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. 
Well, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 22, it's those who think they are wise who are often the ones who have been fooled. They've been deceived. In Revelation 13, 14, the Bible tells us that the devil deceives the inhabitants of the earth. Deception is a huge part of false Christianity, and deception is a huge part of this culture. This deception began with Joseph Smith, and it continues without hindrance to this very day. But it seems that every horrible thing that can be said about God, about His Bible, and about His Gospel, and no one seems to give it a second thought. But to say anything negative about Joseph Smith, and people suffer the most violent reactions. I believe that God has a good case against humanity for defamation of His character. But instead, it's Joseph Smith's character that is protected. How upside down this culture has become. Why not take your focus off Joseph Smith and place it on Jesus Christ alone? Peter said uh, to Jesus in John 6, 68, You have the words of eternal life. And truly, only Jesus does have the words to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the only way to eternal life. There are no pit stops at Joseph Smith's door, none at polygamy's door or at any other place. Everything must be rejected and our focus placed on and only through Jesus Christ if you want to go to heaven. Anything else is just a counterfeit. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.